like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I am your host for today's episode, Jake Rip. You can find me on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. And of course, joining me as always, folks, you know him, you love him. You can find him on Twitter at KyleMonth8. This is month eight, but just so you know, he's going to be with us all year round. Give it up for Kyle August. What up, Jake? How you doing, bro? Dude, excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited that we're doing this two-episode-per-week thing now, not just limiting it to Monday. It really feels like the regular season is uh, coming into full effect. I guess with that, I can make a quick transition here. Uh, if you're not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the DWZ Podcast Network. You're going to hear Kyle and I every single Tuesday uh, here on the Fantasy Football Smackdown, and we'll be followed by Memphis and Jerry bringing you all of that... Uh, all that good dynasty tr- tips and tricks. Uh, they'll be helping you win this year, the le- the year after, the year after that. Uh, and I, as I previously mentioned right before that, you can also come hang with us on Wednesday nights now. Uh, this Wednesday night specifically, come hang out for a little DWZ Q&A. Uh, last week, we had a blast with Kyle Memphis. We had Dallas on. Thanks, Dallas. And uh, and uh, Jesse as well from the yeah. uh, loyal member of the DWZ Patreon came on, gave us some awesome takes. So uh, just an all around great time. Kyle, we think you pumped for another Q&A on Wednesday, man. I'm looking forward to it. I will be putting out a tweet uh, to Tuesdays if you're listening to this um, and uh, hit, hit me up on there. If you're not able to make it live, you can get your questions still on the show. If you are able to make it live, jump into the chat over on YouTube. Uh, we had a pretty good uh, turnout last week, but always room for more. So feel free to jump on in, ask us anything, uh, whether it's uh, from quarterback show last week. We're obviously coming running backs. We're going to be covering every position in depth as we can with these 32 and 32s. But if you want a little bit more info, just hit us up in the chat. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that Q&A again on Wednesday. It keeps it fresh. And uh, it, it's always fun talking fantasy football, especially as we get closer and closer. Uh, a little less than a month away now. So it's just uh, it's getting good. Yeah, going to be going to be a fun time. Those Q&A shows are a little more laid back, loose, but we have a, a very full plate for tonight's show. And I'm just going to get right into it because we have a, a bunch of stuff to go through. Uh, last Monday night, we took our first attempt at the 32 in 32 segment where we touched on every single quarterback situation, every single quarterback dilemma for every single NFL team. Uh, and we did every team in 60 seconds. And this week, we're going to keep the same theme going with the running back position. And I have a good feeling we're probably going to go over on time on a couple of these. It's going to be really hard to stay within that those 60-second parameters. Uh, but we'll see if, if uh, 32 or so minutes from now where we land. But uh, how, do you, how do you feel about each of these teams in 60 seconds? Optimistic? Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough as you're talking here. I'll put the I'll add if you're watching on the on the YouTube stream, we'll uh, we got the clock going. You'll hear two beeps if just like we had last week, but it's gonna be tough. There's a lot of information here to cover. Uh, this uh, last week was a good warm up with the QBs because maybe there was only you know maybe two guys in a few of these situations. Obviously, now we're gonna be ramping up with a few more uh, mouths to feed in all these backfields, and then of course next week is gonna be the ultimate test. So I, I think this one's gonna be tough, but I think this is like 
you know, we're like strength training here. We're just getting a little more, a little more, a little more. And uh, yeah, that's why we're next week's going to be an animal, but I'm really looking forward to talking running backs here because this is the position that kicks off every draft, man. And it's it, every league it's running back heavy right now. These guys win championships. And uh, if you can hit on one of the, the high end ones, so uh, man, I, I'm looking forward to this and, and uh, ready to rock and roll. Yep, we're going to do it the same way that we did last week by division, starting with the AFC, then the NFC, and uh, we'll get it kicked off with the AFC North. Kyle, you want to get that timer going, and uh, we'll get kicked off with the Baltimore Ravens backfield. Here we go. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, he's being taken right now at RB25 and Gus Edwards at RB42. Personally, I think that uh, both of these backs are extremely undervalued at their current ADPs. Dobbins is my RB18 and Edwards my RB32. Uh, the Ravens ran the ball at a significantly higher rate than the rest of the league last season. And uh, Dobbins finished RB21 just last season, despite zero games with double-digit carries for the first half of the year. So are you as optimistic about this Baltimore backfield as I am? Yeah, the Dobbins was awesome at the second half last year. He only had 25 attempts for the first six weeks, but then from, the, from uh, week eight on, 13 uh, fancy points per game and half PPR. That would have been just outside RB1 territory. So I really like Dobbins. He's going right now at the early third. I dig that. Edwards is a late round flyer for me with some upside. Uh, but uh, this is this is an all rushing offense, man. So I'm I'm in on both these guys if I can get them at their current value. Oh, right on. And at 57 seconds, we're one down. <laughs> Moving on to your Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon's going right now at RB13. And I, I kind of like that ADP for Mixon. He's my RB11 in my personal rankings. Uh, Mixon commanded an 82% opportunity share in 2020. That was second behind only James Robinson. That's good for 20 carries per game, 4.3 targets per game before he got injured. Uh, I, I just feel like there's no reason to believe that Joe Mixon doesn't get that same workhorse volume or even better this season. Uh, and that's in a killer offense. And this is a guy that you can oftentimes be getting as your RB2, depending on where you're drafting. What do you think about Mixon? Yeah, I actually I have him a couple spots ahead of Dobbins. So him going in mid-second is appropriate value. He he should own this backfield. You talked about his uh, the carry percentage in that backfield. He completely dominated it. Do you remember, though, he was really slow going. But I think this offensive line is improved. It's not great, but this is an offense that should be more productive this year. It should lead for more to Joe Mixon. So there's not a second guy I really like in this backfield. It's Mixon's backfield and uh, mid-second's an appropriate value. I'm in on, on Mixon as my RB2. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns, a little bit of a, a running back committee. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Chubb's going as RB8 and Kareem Hunt as RB23. And it kind of feels to me like Chubb is a smidge too high and Kareem Hunt is a smidge too low. Like RB8 is a little expensive for me considering the lack of receiving receiving upside with uh, Nick Chubb. 1.5 targets per game in 2020. Plus, I think it's reasonable to expect a little bit of negative touchdown regression from Nick Chubb, who just could not stay out of the end zone last season. What do you think about the Cleveland Browns backfield? Yeah, I'm with you on Chubb being just a little bit too high. He's going uh, he's going RB8 off the board. Man, at, I have him at 10. He, you mentioned the touchdowns. He had 12 rushing touchdowns last year. He only played in 12 games. So on a points-per-game basis, he was right around there. But only 16 receptions really caps that upside for me. As far as Hunt goes, he's just his upside's capped because Kareem Hunt – or sorry, Nick Chubb is a beast. He's going to take all the rushing production. Hunt should be a solid RB2, but he doesn't have top 15 upside in my opinion. Uh, he can't rely on that injury. So uh, a little early for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as far as ADP goes. So I think I'm with you there. All right, let's take a break from this committee talking about it. Talk about a surefire locked-in RB1 in Pittsburgh. Najee Harris, he's going as the RB12 uh, in fantasy leagues. 
If uh, if fantasy gamers didn't have a problem taking CEH in the first round as a rookie last year, then Najee Harris should feel like an absolute steal at RB12. The upside is enormous. Uh, if he's, you know, but if he's going to end up getting all of the carries along with the receiving upside, the receiving work that we're anticipating, then even the floor, like it's going to be super hard for him to fall outside of that uh, top 12 range, in my opinion, for 2021. What do you think about Najee? Yeah, when we're sitting here at the end of the year, I think you're going to be talking about Dalvin Cook, you know, Elliott, Henry, uh, probably Joe Mixon. And Najee Harris will be there, too, as far as running backs to just completely own their backfield. So you can't go wrong with that. Mid-second for a rookie seems rich, but you mentioned CEH last year. Fantasy owners have done this before. The only concern I really have about Najee is really is, has nothing to do with him. This offensive line, five new starters. Four, uh, be, uh, they're moving one. Uh, they're switching the tackles. But four brand new guys, five new starters on this offensive line. That's a little bit of a concern, but he's going to get all the work and all the reception. So love the upside for the rookie. Moving down to the AFC South, and let's just rip the Band-Aid off here with the Houston Texans uh, backfield with Philip Lindsay. He's going as RB51. David Johnson, RB34, and Ingram as RB57. We've discussed extensively the value in this backfield that is Philip Lindsay. He seems like he's going to, ha- in my opinion, I believe in your opinion, have the most value in the backfield. Uh, to tell you the truth, I think this this is a situation that I'm still just avoiding altogether, especially if Deshaun Watson isn't in the picture, which right now is looking like a completely 50-50 debate. But if, if Deshaun Watson isn't the quarterback, then this offense stands to be horrendous. Uh, what do you think about this backfield? Yeah, DJ had 1,000 a, a total yards and eight touchdowns last year, but you have that's all with a grain of salt. With no Watson there, that's concerning. They did give DJ some guaranteed money, so I expect him to get first crack at it. But Lindsey's a guy that's coming up. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons before falling out of favor in Denver. I love 13th round value on Philip Lindsey. DJ going at the end of the 7th, early 8th isn't horrible, but Lindsey's a guy I'm going to take a flyer on a lot of times in drafts in 2021. The Indianapolis Colts, man. I have an extremely, extremely mixed feelings with this backfield. Jonathan Taylor's going with RB6, and then Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines plenty later. Uh, I don't think, I mean, JT, he's a top five RB talent in the league. I don't think we have to really debate that. The Colts have a killer offensive line along with a solid defense that should keep them in games, allow the Colts to run the ball. Uh, The concern with me isn't even the whole Carson Wentz thing. It's just a matter of what kind of a workload Taylor's going to get with healthy Marlon Mack to steal carries and Naeem Hines still there to siphon away targets. Are you concerned about this Carson Wentz thing? What's your overall temperature on Taylor? Not as much concerned about Wentz, just concerned of what what the offense is going to look like without Phillip Rivers. You know what Phillip Rivers was. He was dumping off Taeem Hines a lot, so I have a little bit of concern about him regressing a bit. And Taylor, I, I like him. He's a top 10 running back for me, but we talk about David Montgomery and how he beat up on teams at the end of last year. Uh, Taylor, in his last five games, he averaged 123 yards, eight total touchdowns, but he only faced one defense uh, that wasn't in the bottom five in allowing running back points. So it's going to be a tougher uh, sledding over the course of the season. One to watch, though. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have a new look this season. James Robinson was elite last year, uh, but he's slipping a little bit in ADP because of Travis Etienne. Etienne, RB26, and James Robinson, RB22 in current ADP. I thought I'd be way higher on ADP than Etienne, but he's just my RB23. And that's all pretty much based on receiving upside in my eyes. Back in May, Urban Meyer said that Etienne was working mostly as a wide receiver in rookie camp and just last week a report came out that etn has been quote uncoverable in training camp so i think we're in store for some big time receiving numbers on that front but where do you stand on this running back debate 
Yeah, I have them pretty close. I I put them back to back. I hate doing that. It feels like a hedge. ETN's the upside pick for sure, and he's going in round six, so I love that. Just see how it happens. I think Robinson going at four, uh, end of the fourth, early fifth is a little rich. I just feel like even though I have him ranked at 23rd, which is where he's going amongst the running backs, I just feel like that's the spot where I'm going to be taking a lot of wide receivers over Robinson. I think Robinson can still be a 1,000-yard rusher, but those receptions are not going to approach where he was in his rookie year. There is no running back competition in Tennessee. They call him the king for a reason. Over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns for Derrick Henry in 2020. He's currently being drafted as the RB3. He was RB2 in half PPR last year, despite being non-existent as a receiver. In fact, had Henry caught zero passes last year, he was still finished as the RB3 on rushing production alone. Just absolutely insane. Uh, Is Derrick Henry also your RB3? He is my RB3. I want to put him in RB2. I really do. But even because uh, with Cook, I just the durability does concern me just a bit. And you have to be nitpicky at the top. Um, but if we're going to be nitpicky about maybe possible durability concerns, we should be nitpicky about the 100% chance of Derrick Henry catching less than 20 passes. 19 last year was his career high. So he's really dinged in PPR. He's a top five back for sure. I would take him at 103. Uh, in half PPR formats, and I feel really good about that. I think this will be another big year for the King, and there's no one else to talk about in this backfield. Very good, my friend. Moving on to the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills. Naturally, I want to say that I'm hands-off this backfield, and I pretty much am. Uh, Zach Moss is going as the RB36, and Devin Singletary a few spots later, RB41. Uh, But still, I think we have to acknowledge that the Buffalo Bills have one of the best offenses in the league with a very, very, very rich quarterback nowadays. Uh, But I won't even consider Devin Singletary. He's completely off the board for me. But I think there is maybe a world where Zach Moss sneaks into the top 24 RBs. What do you think? There is a world, but that world has to watch Josh Allen give way to a red zone running back. Uh, The Bills as a team had eight rushing touchdowns from their running backs. That was uh, the total amount that they had the first two seasons combined with Josh Allen as their QB. So only 16 rushing touchdowns in the three years of Josh Allen under center. I am not banking on that. Uh, Even in the eighth and 10th round for either of these running backs, no thank you. I am completely hands off. There will be other players that I like over both of these gentlemen guaranteed. And time. See how I did that? (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Moving on to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, And they had a goofy running back situation going on last year. We saw some flashes from Salvin Ahmed. But as it stands right now, it looks like it's going to be Miles Gaskin as the sole lone guy in that backfield. He's currently going as RB21. And uh, I have him a spot lower in my personal rankings at RB22. But I still feel like he's a value. 16-plus carries and four of his seven starts before he was injured. Also a solid 4.3 receptions per game last season. So that gives you a solid floor too. Where do you have Gaskin in your personal rankings? I have him right there with you with 22nd among the running backs. He was awesome last year. RB9 in points per game. Only played the 10 games, but he averaged about 100 total yards a game. The 41 receptions is nice, but it should be a note. He averaged a full reception last, it's only four games, with Tua under center. So if those numbers dip down, he's more around 30, that's going to hurt him a bit. Uh, I don't mind where he is among the running backs, but similar to James Robinson, I just don't know about his fourth round ADP mid fourth right now. That's a concern. I'm probably going wide receiver or if the one of the elite top five to six tight ends is available, I'm taking them. I'm excited about this one. How about the 2021 New England Patriots? Damian Harris is going as the RB32. And you remember Sony Michelle? He's going as the RB78 undrafted. Don't even think about it. 
Uh, I'll tell you what, as far as Harris's ADP, the public is wrong with this one, man. Harris is my is RB21 in my rankings, and I'm not rolling out the possibility that he makes it to the top 20 by the end of the month. Uh, New England has one of, if not the best, offensive line in the league. Uh, one of the worst passing attacks and a defense that can keep them in games. It's pretty much the perfect recipe. And, you know, aside from receiving work, what is there not to like with Damian Harris? That's the issue, really. He had five receptions in 10 games last year. And, and then out of those 10 games, only four of them with 80-plus rushing yards, which, again, that's not always a concern, except you need some sort of passing game production, and he didn't have it. He only had two total touchdowns. I like Harris okay, but I'm right, I'm actually apparently right there with the wrong people of the world in ADP because I have him right at 31 in my rankings. I'm okay with him in at the end of round seven, but I'm not getting going any earlier than round seven on Harris this year. We got one team left in the AFC East, and that's the New York Jets. And it looks like Michael Carter is going to be the guy in that backfield. He's going as the RB35 and Tevin Coleman as the RB56. I feel like one of these guys is probably going to end up being a big-time value, depending on how relevant they are, I guess, on a daily fantasy play. Uh, but as of now, I got to give the edge to rookie running back Michael Carter. Less than a year ago, there were people debating whether or not Michael Carter was just as good, if not better, than college teammate Javante Williams at North Carolina. That was a debate we were having. So I'm not going to sour on him just because he's a New York Jet. What do you think? Yeah, uh, the offensive line, and actually looking at these two guys, I have Harris at 31 and Carter at 34. And even when I'm looking at that, I don't know how I feel that I feel great about it. I might actually flip those two guys just from the upside play. The offensive line in New England is super strong, and the Jets are a big unknown. But I just feel like this is Carter's backfield. You talk about Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael P. Ryan. I mean, yes, Coleman has familiarity with this offensive system, but the rest of these guys are just, we're already here. This is the regime that brought in Carter. I think they gave him the shot. Seventh round is awesome. Moving on to the AFC West, and a tricky one right off the bat here with the Denver Broncos backfield. Melvin Gordon's being taken as the RB30 right now, and Javante Williams as RB28. These guys are pretty much back-to-back. I think it's easy to prefer Javante over Melvin Gordon, given that he's like the shiny new rookie coming into the league. And Melvin Gordon is certainly a guy who's on the back half of his career. Uh, still, I think that it's possible that Denver comes out with a more conservative approach and lean on their veteran running back to start the season. Same thing that we saw with a, a few rookies last year. You know, uh, the, the Denver plays their first three games are against the Jaguars, the Giants and the Jets. It's going to be three easy games. And I think that Melvin Gordon can up to a real good start. You got 20 seconds, my friend. Yeah, if I'm taking Melvin Gordon, it's to fill in some gaps early on in the season. I'm not counting on him for the long haul. Williams is the long con play. And in the sixth round, I'm cool with that ADP. At both mid round picks, it's tough to sacrifice that thinking you're only going to get half a year of production. But I think, you know, when whoever's the starter, they will be productive when they're the guy. But uh, it's tough. It's tough going into the season knowing that you're only going to get half a year. And moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's being drafted as the 14th running back off the board, which feels so much better to me than drafting CEH at his goofy 2020 ADP, like 108 or wherever it was. Uh, CEH is RB14 in my rankings as well, and I don't think it's too hard to make the case for a guy like CEH as RB1 or at least into that RB1 uh, range, uh, top 12, I should say. Uh, it's one of the best offenses in the league. I just like to see a little bit of a higher target share, I think, for CEH, considering that we all know he has that in his arsenal from from LSU. Uh, I think that's what would propel him to RB1 territory. What do you think? Yeah, just the 36 receptions was definitely disappointing last year. When you were looking at his game log, you know, he just he had the injury midseason. Obviously, he got off to that great start, but then he had the injury midseason and had and had 
flashes for sure of what we were looking at in round one. But I think here, end of round two, if you can get him end of round two, early round three, I think that's great value. I'm actually a couple spots ahead of ADP. I have him as an RB12, so borderline RB1 for your team. And again, getting him there as your potential second running back. I love that for CEH. Love the value and the upside in that offense. And we're moving on to the LA Chargers and Austin Eckler, who's going as the RB10 off the board. And I have absolutely zero problems with that ADP. Austin Eckler is my RB9. Dude, the guy missed six games in the middle of last season. He still managed to finish fifth among running backs in receptions (laughs) and fifth among running backs in receiving yards. For me, Austin Eckler is Alvin Kamara without the touchdowns. If Eckler can improve on his one touchdown in 10 games last season, then there is this super ceiling to be had with Eckler, I think, in 2021. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you mentioned the receptions, five and a half receptions per game on average. That was third, and that that was behind CMC as well, who only played three games. So this dude, you know he's going to catch a ton of passes. I love what we saw with him and Herbert coming in, instant chemistry, getting involved. This is a team that's going to run a lot of plays. Their defense is going to be pretty poor. He's a top 10 running back for me as well. And fun fact, maybe not so fun, but since Melvin Gordon returned for his holdout in 2019, Austin Eckler still just has that one rushing touchdown. You're not worried about rushing touchdowns. You're getting this guy for his receptions. All right, so there's going to be some people who don't like this one, but we're going to move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs is going is the RB16 and Kenyon Drake the RB40. Plain and simple, Kyle, I will not roster either running back in ADP. doesn't particularly matter to me. Kenyon Drake is going to be involved probably more than we'd like to see, probably more than Josh Jacobs' owners would like to see. Uh, the Raiders' first two games of the season are against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Ooh, and I got Jacobs buried, man. He's buried on my rankings at RB32. And that's more so symbolically. Like, I'm confident he'll outperform that rank. But it's just so easy for me to come up with the case for 31 guys that have more upside and maybe even a safer floor over Jacobs. So go ahead, man. Yeah, Jacobs has averaged 18 attempts per game over this first two seasons, was top three in the league last year with 273, had the 12 rushing touchdowns. It's really boosted the fantasy production. I am with you that I'm not taking him at 16 overall mid third, but if he falls to the fourth, I'll start taking him just purely from a bell cow standpoint. Ken Drake had back-to-back 50-yard reception seasons before 2020. I think he's going to take all that passing down work, which is just fine. He can be a uh, flex play in round nine. From a Belkel standpoint, we'll have that conversation later. Moving on to the NFC North and the Chicago Bears. David Montgomery is going as the RB17 and Tariq Cohen the RB54. Last year, Monty was the definition of a league winner. He finished as the RB4, averaged over 16 carries per game, along with a nice receiving floor of five, or I'm sorry, 4.5 targets per game without Tariq Cohen for the majority of the season. So obviously the concern this year is, uh, what happens to Monty with Tariq Cohen returning to the lineup? Where do, where do you stand on that? Yeah, right now it sounds like Cohen's not going to be ready to go. So I, I oh. boosted Monty just a little bit up in my rankings. He I 17 and ADP, like you mentioned, in the mid-third. As far as uh, third round, I'm a li- it had to be later third, but I do have him inside my top 20. Him and Josh Jacobs, very similar. A lot of work, but Monty hit the reception total 54 last year, which as much as Jacobs has in his entire career. Uh, I'm just a little bit concerned of where those receptions go. Do they stay with Montgomery? That He got him last year when the Bears didn't have a plan. If he does that, he can be top 12, but I'm not banking on it. So I'm just inside the top 20. The Lions drafted oh, one Damian of the best. Williams. There, I threw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> the Lions drafted one of the best running backs in the class last year, and, and DeAndre Swift. He's going as the RB18 right now, and they also picked up Jamal Williams, who's going as RB45. DeAndre Swift finished as RB18 just last season with only 13 games played in his rookie year. That's also just with just one game with double-digit carries through his first seven games. 
Uh, and in that game, he ran for 116 yards and two touchdowns. I think that people are concerned about Jamal Williams because he's like really he's never slouched, but Swift isn't going to get less volume than he did as a rookie, man. I think he's going to tear it up this year. He is my RB15. Yeah, I'm with you. I would take you and I would both take Swift over the Jacobs Montgomery combo we just talked about, but ADP does not have it that way. Swift, like you said, after that early buy, after he took the training wheels off, final nine games, he averaged 14 and a half fantasy points per game. That's the RB1 numbers in half PPR. 46 receptions in 13 games is money. Yes, Williams is there, but on a, only 160 touches last year, Swift produced. I think he can get up to 220 and be a borderline RB1 for your team. Next up on the docket is the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones. He's going as the RB9 and A.J. Dillon, the RB39. Aaron Jones right now is the RB value pick of the first round. That's I don't even think it's debatable. I have Aaron Jones uh, sandwiched is my RB5 in between Zeke and Kamara. He finishes RB5 last season despite missing two games. And I like A.J. Dillon, man. I liked him going into last year, but he's not stealing any work from Aaron Jones. Any work that A.J. Dillon is going to get, I think is going to come at the expense of uh, the formal expense, I should say, of Jamal Williams. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm i I'm totally with you. I love your ranking of him. You have him at five. I have him at eight, so I'm not as high as you, but I do think that taking him over somebody like Nick Chubb is a no-brainer in my opinion. 45-plus receptions each of the last two seasons. Obviously, monster touchdown production for Aaron Jones. Uh, coming off of 19 touchdowns, total touchdowns in 2019, still put up 11 last year in just 14 games. This offense is going to be moving the ball. I dig Aaron Jones as a first rounder this year for sure. Last team that we have here in the NFC North is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is going as the RB2 right after Christian McCaffrey, and he is RB2 in my rankings as well. Uh, the way I draft, man, if I'm picking in that area, I want a I want a safe, reliable, you know, I want super production out of uh, a guy that I'm taking with a top five pick. And you're going to get that guy with Dalvin Cook. Uh, you get, you know, with, with Cook, and I think I've used this reference before, I, I feel like you get Derek Henry level rushing volume, and then you get a nice four target per game uh, that you're not necessarily going to get with Derek Henry. So any problems with Cook this year? The only thing, it, you, you mentioned the receptions are awesome. The only thing that might be a little bit of a concern, he had 60 two more rushing attempts, even though he missed games. They played 14 both times, 2019 to 2020. Dalvin Cook had 62 more rushing attempts in 2020. If he goes back down into the 260 mark, then now you're not talking Derrick Henry rushing production, and then the receptions are just balancing that out. So I still think he's the RB2, but I, I think you could make an argument for a few guys over him if you wanted, uh, but uh, you can't argue with the touchdowns. 30 touchdowns over the last two seasons, that's money. And we're going to move on to the NFC South and your 2021 NFC South champions, the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Davis is being drafted as the RB24 right now. And the other guys, they're not even being thought of. Mike Davis, uh, he's RB25 in my rankings. I feel like he, be he can become a real fantasy asset this year if he had like an 80% opportunity share in the Atlanta backfield, which I'm not entirely sure is going to be the case. Undrafted rookie JV and Hawkins has picked up some steam in dynasty circles, but even Quadri Allison is reportedly working as the uh, RB2 behind Mike Davis. Deontay Foreman's in town too. What do you think of that backfield, huh? Uh, he's familiar with Arthur Smith, uh, but for for me, Davis is in the fifth round. I don't I don't want to take him there. I I know there's some upside. He was great uh, without McCaffrey last year. He was at 61 reception pace, so you know he can catch the ball, which is going to be very important for a team that's going to be playing in negative game scripts for the running back. But again, this is just a fallback option if you went heavy wide receiver early or tight end early. Um, I don't want him. If I went running back, running back, I will probably just wait on other guys with more upside. 
Well, we can't skip the Carolina Panthers. So like Pat Mahomes of last week, we'll get through it real quick. Christian McCaffrey is being drafted as the RB1, and I just can't come up with a good reason to not take CMC as RB1. I tried to come up with some sort of contrarian take all offseason, some sort of devil's advocate, but there's no way to make sense of it. He's the best in the league. He's going to catch a shit ton of passes. He's going to score a shit ton of touchdowns, and he's going to get a shit ton of volume. That's what I want from my RB1. So, uh 1,400 rushing yards and 11 or 1,000 receiving yards in 2019, 19 total touchdowns. Tell me something I don't know about CMC. Uh, the dude was uh, 6.8 points per game better than the RB2 in 2019. Like, we can't forget how much better he was than every single running back in 2019. And he was the RB2 the year before. So this guy has been really solid. He was great in the three games he played last year. I'm not, you can't be concerned about the injuries. Um, with him. I know last year was rough, but you just have to take your shot again because this dude had, he has, he's just a difference maker at the position. He's Travis Kelsey asked, but at the most position, the most <laughs> important position in all of fantasy. There you go. Finally got it out. Let's move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the, the New Orleans Saints offense looks like it's going to be subpar at best this year. Uh, Alvin Kamara still is going as the RB4, and Latavius Murray is the RB46. As you know, Kyle, I was not going to touch Camaro with a 10-foot pole prior to the Michael Thomas news. RB4 still seems a bit steep to me, but given the uh, undeniable receiving upside he's going to have without Thomas in the offense, uh, I still got Alvin Kamara as RB6 in my rankings. Are you still in on Kamara despite the current state of the offense and the uncertainty at quarterback? I'm I'm okay. I do have him at five, but it's just when you're talking about tiers wise, like if, if I knew James was going to be a starter and Taysom Hill went on vacation for 16 weeks, then I'd for sure feel like he could be RB2 and I just plant him there in cement. But now I think he's right in this group where you can make arguments between Henry and Cook and Zeke and Taylor and Barkley. Uh, you know, four straight years, 80 plus receptions. Does that happen again? The points per game while small sample were crazy with Breeze 25.8 with Taysom Hill 12.9. That's scary as hell. That's low-end RB1 production, high-end RB2 production. I'm scared, but I'll take the shot. The last team in the NFC South, ladies and gentlemen, your Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ronald Jones is going as the RB31, and just behind him, Leonard Fournette at RB33. It looks like neither of these guys has really separated themselves from last season. Uh, but I would need I'd need a little more than a minute if I was going to make the case for Leonard Fournette for 2021, so maybe I'll skip him altogether, but... I still feel like one of these two backs, you know, you know, even from this perspective, if one of these two backs was to go down at any point in the season, the other guy is going to have ridiculous upside as the potential workhorse uh, for that Tampa Bay offense. Do you like either guy at their current ADP? I guess it's kind of the same ADP. No, not really. I I, I prefer Fournette. Uh, you know, we saw it last year in the playoffs. It was absolutely bonkers how much they just went away from Ronald Jones during the regular season. It was Ronald Jones. He had. Almost 200 attempts, just under 1,000 yards. The receptions were pretty close. The targets were pretty close. But the other reason that I'm a little bit hands-off is I don't know what Gio Bernard's impact on this offense is going to be. They didn't have somebody like him last year. Those receptions just disappear for both. Uh, I'd be concerned. So round eight would be the earliest I would take either of these guys, and that's just later than their ADPs. We're going to move on to the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys. ADP has finally come around for Zeke. It's taken a while, but I think RB5 is great. I have him personally as my RB4. He's coming off of an underwhelming 2020 season, at least by his standards. 980 yards and eight total touchdowns in 15 games. That was good for RB11. I'll give you the rest of the 40 seconds, Kyle. What do you think about Zeke and your Cowboys? Yeah, it's I would, I'm disappointed that ADP and everybody is starting to get 
uh, caught back up on Zeke. I was going to take him in the first round in every draft, no matter where, because I knew I could get him later. Uh, a few months back, this guy was going in the back half of the first round. Now he's going in the front six. The you cannot uh, like you cannot understate how much this offense was hurt by not only Dak Prescott but the entire offensive line was completely trashed. They're all back. They're all healthy. They're all practicing early in camp. I love that. Three straight years of fifty plus receptions for Zeke that makes him a difference maker at the position. And as much as we were worried about Tony Pollard, why I like the talent. His touches just went up from one hundred one in twenty nineteen to one twenty nine last season. So a little bit more involved, but not enough to bump Zeke out of my top five. Here's a running back situation that's surprisingly polarizing. The New York Giants and Saquon Barkley. He's going as the RB7 uh, nowadays. And the thought of workload management, I suppose, gives me pause when I'm staring down Saquon's name in the first round. Like, I see him getting work in training camp right now, but every timeline I see, and I hear he's getting cleared soon, but everything seems so close to me to the start of the regular season that it's worrisome to me. Not to mention also multiple reports of this Giants offense in general just struggling in training camp. I'm seeing nothing good out of Giants camp. What do you think? Yeah, I, I he got activated off the pup. He's practicing today. Does, is he limited the first few weeks? Yes. But I think if you take a guy, if you take a player like Saquon Barkley with what you know, you're shooting for the moon, which is totally fine. That's what you have to do in redraft leagues. You have to hit because everybody's going after the same goal, right? So to take Barkley in the first round, I'm totally fine with it. If you get him in round two, that's freaking money, and you're you're lowering your risk, but uh, for, because you already have a stud paired with him. But I'm taking Barkley in the first seven picks, and uh, we'll just see how it plays out. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they got kind of an interesting backfield too. Miles Sanders is going as RB nineteen. Kenny Gainwell, who I kind of like this year, going as RB sixty one, and then Boston Scott a little after that. We have a three-game sample size of Miles Sanders playing with Jalen Hurts for what that's worth. And in those three games, Sanders averaged 15 attempts, uh, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Also, a nice 4.3 targets per game, which really that's the concern when you're comparing like different quarterbacks uh, in terms of the how the running back performs for fantasy. It's what kind of targets is he getting. So I'm happy with anything over four targets per game. Again, take that for what it's worth because the Eagles have a new coaching staff. But what's your thoughts on the Eagles' backfield? Yeah, I'm right there with ADP. I have him at RB18. I would love to get him in round early round four. Would be totally fine. He needs those receptions to bounce back. Had a 50 uh, reception season, and then last year it kind of dropped off. But like you said, the numbers with Hurts, while small sample size, were solid. This is a guy that I think has has some decent upside, but the risk is definitely there as well because they have Boston Scott and Gainwell, who are both pass catchers. So the receptions don't bounce back. You're looking at a low-end RB2. Last team we have to cover in the NFC East will be the Washington football team. Antonio Gibson, is he's in that RB1 conversation. He's going as RB11, and McKissick is RB5, or I'm sorry, 48. Uh, I've got Gibson just a smidge lower at RB13. And I think in all seriousness, man, the ceiling here is RB1 overall with Antonio Gibson. It's always weird to make that projection, but that's the kind of ceiling that we're talking about. If he is able to excel as a pass catcher, like we already know he can, and we already know he's a super elite pass catcher from what we saw at, uh, in his college production at Memphis. He was more of a receiver than a rusher. Uh, in addition to scoring 11 touchdowns, man, we're talking about a Christian McCaffrey type outcome. 20 seconds, Kyle. Even without the perceptions coming, I still think he can be a low-end RB1, which is what we saw last year. The 11 rushing touchdowns is going to be tough, but I still think he can land right around 8-9 eight, eight, and still be good. But if those receptions hit, like you said, ultimate upside there. So I really, really like uh, Gibson as an upside play. And uh, that value, beginning of the second round, I'm good with that. Uh, McKissick, round 13, I'm I'm good with that. I was worried it was going to be a little bit earlier. If it starts creeping inside round 10, maybe, but why not take the flyer on him, see if those receptions stick. 
Right on, man. Let's kick it to the NFC West and the Arizona Cardinals. Chase Edmonds is going as the RB27 and James Conner new in town at RB37. And for me, this feels like Chase Edmonds kind of being drafted at his floor. I have a really hard time picturing him finishing worse than RB27, especially if he has the majority of this backfield, even if it's by a smidge. I don't think that James Conner has much of a fantasy impact this year at all, barring injury. Uh, and Edmonds, man, he's shined in the past when he's had a full workload. What do you think? I hope it's Edmonds. I think he has a lot of upside. He loved the 53 receptions last year, but we definitely saw Arizona utilize a goal line back. Kenyon Drake had 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, that is, that's big. So I think I'm a little concerned that Connor's going to get those touches. And if Edmonds doesn't get the, the red zone work, then he is going to be kept. Can I, do I think he can finish exactly where you said? Yeah, I, I think that's the floor but the upside is all dependent on who gets the red zone looks. And unfortunately we just won't know that. So it's, it's a risk, but uh, I lost track of sixth round. I'm, I'm okay. Taking that risk there. I like that value better than the, some of the fifth round guys we talked about earlier. I really like this one. We're about to talk about the LA Rams backfield. It was going to be cam Akers. He's down. He's done for the year. Now it's going to be Daryl Henderson at RB 25 uh, in current ADP. And I imagine that ADP is only going to continue to rise at an extremely steep pace. A month ago, we were drafting the Rams starting running back being Cam Akers as the like RB9 or so. And I, I don't think that H Henderson is nearly the caliber of a player that Akers is, but there's major value in being the quote-unquote workhorse uh, running back in an offense that looks like it's going to be super electric in 2021. What do you think? Yeah, the Rams and McVay continue to run the ball. Even without Todd Gurley last year, their committee put up double-digit touchdowns. I think that Henderson is looking at it, the floor of eight touchdowns in this offense. So do they maybe go a little bit more pass-heavy than they would have if they had Cam Akers? Potentially. But, uh, we'll, and, and we don't really have an accurate AP, ADP yet on Henderson. If you can get him in the uh, as late as round three, I freaking love that. I don't mind taking a shot in late round two uh, if you're sitting there in need of a running back. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers. This one's kind of tricky to get a read on because they have an iffy quarterback situation and an iffy running back situation. Raheem Mostert's going as the RB29 right now and Sermon uh, as the RB38. One of these guys is going to end up being a hell of a steal, man, and I have a feeling it's going to be Trey Sermon. Just like the Tampa Bay backfield, though, uh, I feel like an injury to either San Francisco running back would propel the healthy running back into RB1 territory instantly. Uh, Mostert missed half of the 2020 season with ankle injuries. He's 29 this year. I mean, it's just really easy for me to see a path for Trey Sermon to emerge in this offense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love the value on Sermon right now. He's going in the back end of the eighth round. I think that'll creep up just a bit. I think both these guys, whoever the starter is, is going to be really, really solid. But Mostert going in the mid-sixth is just a little too rich. I love Sermon's value. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen a ton of receptions for these guys. But the reason I like this situation better than the Tampa Bay one is just because I think it's down to two. There is no Gio Bernard hanging around in this San Francisco offense. So give me all of the Trey Sermon. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up with the Seattle Seahawks. And that means we're going to wrap it up with Chris Carson once again. He's going as the RB20. Chris Carson, man, he feels like he's a value in fantasy drafts every single season. Uh, he was the RB11 on a points-per-game basis last season. Excuse me. And he finished as RB11 in total points the year prior. He is currently... RB 17 in my rankings. It's just hard to get him any higher than that. He's just not a guy that I see with a super ceiling, but the floor is there for, uh, for Chris Carson. What do you think? 
Yeah, you and I are very much on the same page. We both have him ranked at number 17 overall. I had the points per game stat as well. As well. The last three years, RB13, RB12, RB11 in 2020. That is money. 37 receptions in 2019 was solid. He matched the reception total in 2020 in just 12 games. So I think you could be looking at 40-plus receptions for Chris Carson, and this dude is a steal value at the end of round three. I love it. The upside might be a tad bit capped, but I think this is a guy that's going to be the workhorse back for the Seattle Seahawks this year and outperform that ADP once again. You did it. We've done it once again, my friend. Conquered the quarterback position, and now moving one step up, we have conquered the running backs. Level three is still to come next week when we uh, when we attack the wide receivers. That'll be a whole other animal. We, we have to do like uh, 70 seconds or something on that one, get a little cushion. But, I only uh, have a 60-second video, so I don't know what the hell we're going to do. <laughs> We'll figure it out. We'll figure maybe it I'll out. Maybe I'll be a little bit, a little bit more liberal on the on the trigger before we I hit I hit that go button each time around. But we'll see. That I felt that was a good rhythm, man. I, good work. That was good. Good leading yes, that. Good, good work yourself. I didn't feel like we were rushing too much. Stuttered on the words a little bit. That there was, was a couple times. Where, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I struggled a couple <laughs> times too. But we got through it uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty painlessly. Uh, but I'm still excited about these last these last few tidbits that we have at the end of the show here. We'll do the same thing that we did last week. We kind of had a couple of like mini subcategories where we could elaborate on some of the guys that we only had 60 seconds to talk about uh, uh, leading up. So I'm going to let you get us started, Kyle, and let me know who a running back is that's currently going inside the top 24 in ADP. But you are hands off. Someone in the top 24 that Kyle August is avoiding, he's not going to be on any of your rosters. Yeah, and this is a guy that I had in a bunch of dynasty leagues last year, and he was great down the stretch and uh, helped me win some championships. But when you're talking redraft and you're talking the price you have to pay on draft day, for me, there is a serious tear break at RB20. So that means that RB21 is somebody that I'm probably not going to have too often. And right now, that man is Miles Gaskin. Uh, he's going in the mid fourth RB 21 off the board and mentioned it earlier, like in on a points per game base, he was, he was freaking phenomenal. 41 receptions is, is really solid, but I, you know, he's going one spot uh, in ADP below the guy that we just talked about, Chris Carson. Those guys are in a completely different tier for me. And Gaskin kind of kicks off this run in ADP that goes Gaskin hunt, James Robinson, Mike Davis, Henderson will jump up uh, ETN chase Edmonds, Javante Williams, all of those guys have at least the same or more upside than Miles Gaskin, in my opinion. And you're talking about at least a round or two different. You can get uh, Chase Edge in round six, Javante Williams in round six. Um, for me, Gaskin is just somebody at that point. I've Most of my teams are probably going to have at least two running backs um, in the first four rounds, maybe three. Um, but if, even if I'm sitting there with just two, I'm probably not taking Miles Gaskin. The receivers that will be there are guys that I'm going to target. Uh, I'm looking at UT Higgins. He will be on all my teams this year. Uh, but Gaskin is just a guy that's just a little bit too rich. If he starts sliding down just a bit, I can get him in maybe round five. Like again, I do have him ranked over most of those guys I mentioned, but they're all in that same tier. So for me, I'm not going to be the guy that I'm not going to take the first guy in that tier. I'm going to wait just a bit and take guys like, you know, ETN or Williams or Edmonds or even Trey Sermon, who's going way later, uh, who I think has just as much upside as Miles Gaskin. We waited all year, all offseason for Miami to address the position and they didn't. Maybe that should tell us something, but I on the on draft day price, I'm not taking a round four Miles Gaskin. 
Maybe that just goes to tell you that they're super confident in Salvin Ahmed. Is he still around? <laughs> the, the, that dude's free. So you can go. I picked him up in dynasty leagues this uh, just these last few weeks. Like he got cut in, in a few spots. I would I was amazed. Uh, I don't mind taking the shot on Ahmed or um, even Malcolm Brown. They brought in this offseason. Yeah. I know that's a name that we all hated last year. Like get the hell out of the way, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. Give me those guys. And the Rams were like, no, this is Malcolm Brown, and he's in your life. That could happen again in Miami. So uh, you can grab those guys if you want super late if you don't believe in Gaskin. I do believe in Gaskin to hold the job. But again, I would be I'd be dancing in the streets if I was talking, you know, sixth round Miles Gaskin, fourth round Miles Gaskin. No, thank you. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm looking at this game log here from last year, and there's a couple games like you love to see 22 attempts, 18 attempts, 18 attempts, 16 attempts like that's. That's balling, but I do have a hard time picturing that, especially after what Salvin. I thought Salvin Ahmed had. He, I mean, he was good last year. He had he put together some solid games, and with Malcolm Brown coming into the offense, uh, maybe just the vulture of all vultures oh, at this point. I was gonna say the other thing too, like to consider is like you know we we all love to shit on Will Fuller. He's gonna miss one game, but like that's a legit weapon they brought in. They paid him a decent amount of money on a one year contract, especially when you look at what some of the other receivers got in free agency. They took a high draft pick on Jalen Waddle. They've been building around Tua with a really solid offensive line. This team could be throwing the ball a lot more this year than they did last year when all they had was literally no one. Every receiver was injured on that team. So, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be the same situation that we saw in 2020. All right, Kyle. Well, I'm going to give you a running back inside the top 24 that I'm avoiding. you have any guesses? I'll give you one one really good educated guess if you want to take it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with uh, who is Josh Jacobs? Uh yes, I don't have a I don't have a button for ding ding ding, but that is the correct answer. The dude, the second I found out that Kenyon Drake was going to Las Vegas, I was out on Josh Jacobs. It was like because Kenyon Drake is one of those running backs of consequence. He shows up. He's not one of those bums who is just gonna get completely trampled on by Jacobs. And on the other side of the coin, Jacobs isn't one of those elite running backs who's just gonna command uh, the entire workload, especially if there's someone else who's who's worth those carries, I guess. And I don't think he's had that uh, till this point in his career. Uh, Jacobs finishes the RB8 last season, which is fantastic, right? As the team's workhorse back last season, you even referenced it before, he averaged 18.2 attempts per game. And you'd think that with that 18 carries per game that Jacobs would have rock star numbers, but that's just not the case. Uh, 70 rush yards per game along with three targets per game in the receiving department. It's not bad, but it's not great. Jacobs was an RB1 last season, man, because he scored 12 touchdowns. He fell into the end zone a ton, and I think that that's all he has, and he needs to lean on that again if he's going to put up an RB1 season. And I don't know how likely that is with Kenyon Drake in the picture. So if we're assuming touchdown regression this season, which I am, along with potential for Kenyon Drake to Valdry carries, which I'm assuming, even red zone carries maybe, uh, I just can't draft Josh Jacobs this year, especially, especially, especially considering uh, that that's that nasty schedule start that I mentioned earlier, the first two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. So right off the bat, he's going to get crushed twice. You're going to want to trade him. No one's going to want to trade for him or you're going to get poor trade value in return for him. It's just an all around terrible situation. I would rather someone else draft Josh Jacobs and let me play him in week one against whoever that is, Baltimore or Pittsburgh, vice versa. Uh, I'll, I'll play against you, but I don't want him on my team. And I don't want to have to make that decision of, do I have to seriously bench Josh Jacobs in week one? Uh, it's just going to be an all around 
the headache. Again, he's going as RB16. In my rankings, he's RB32. I'm not going <laughs> to say he's going to finish 32nd among running backs in points. Again, mostly symbolic. Maybe I'll bump him up a little bit, but that's just to show that I'm, regardless of ADP, he would have to sink so ridiculously far for me to take a shot. Even like you said, Kyle, where if Jacobs drops into whatever round you mentioned, like you almost feel obligated to take them. But do you like, cause the wide receivers that are going in that space are going to have a huge upside. Uh, even after where Josh Jacobs is going, some of the rookie running backs that are going in that range that are going to have huge upside. Why not take a shot on one of those guys instead of Josh Jacobs, who, if he doesn't score more than seven touchdowns is a huge bust. That's all I got on Josh right. Jacobs. I'm with. I, there's definitely concerns, you know. And I'm not a Kenyon Drake fan, but when they brought him in, like, you know, he's not there to take a ton of carries, in my opinion. But he's a dude, like I said, who has two 50 yard reception seasons under his belt. We've seen this offense want to utilize a passings down downs back. And when you're looking at Josh Jacobs, the carries are unbelievable. We would all kill for running backs to get 18 carries per game. And, and that's that's not an overall over the last eight weeks of last season. Josh Jacobs, no, that's over the last two freaking years. Jacobs has been handed the ball and been producing on the ground. But when you can when you're not involved in the passing game, when you're and and to the level that Josh Jacobs has just been kicked to the curb. Uh, with guys like Jalen Richard stealing looks from him. When they bring in Kenyon Drake, they did that with a purpose. Jacobs is not going to be all of a sudden catching 40 passes, which you need from where you're running back. You're taking him in round three, in my opinion. So for him going 16 overall is just crazy. Um, him and Montgomery are two guys that are very similar. They came in the same year. The numbers are pretty close as far as you know attempts. You know We saw Montgomery with the catches last year. But when you're looking at a guy like DeAndre Swift, Who's going in the same round, but a few spots later, like how, I don't know how you pull that trigger, you know, even with even Chris Carson for me is a guy that's extremely safe, um, you know, and, and isn't overly involved in the passing game, but is still 37 reset. That's what he's at 74 receptions over the last two seasons. Josh Jacobs has 54 over those last two seasons. So, I mean, he's just a guy that uh, I'm not going to be taking in round three. I haven't ranked at 20th. I'm, I'm with you that the ADP is way too high. I'm not sure I'm completely burying him in the backyard, but uh, I do like the call. I like the conviction. Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Peter Griffin, Peter Griffin in from the top rope. <laughs> Jeez, relax, Peter. All right, Kyle, you gave me a running back inside the top 24 that you're avoiding. How about a running back being selected outside the top 24 that you think could finish in the top 12? So there's a cheat answer to this, which I won't use, but currently because he's going running back 25 off the board, uh, at the end of the fifth is Daryl Henderson. Now I thought about it too. If for some reason you're in now, and, and this could happen, I've talked about this before. I don't think fifth round, but if you're drafting right now and you're in draft rooms uh, on Yahoo or ESPN or whatever, and people are stuck with what's in front of their face. If Daryl Henderson's not sitting up there, he could get forgotten. So, uh, you know, maybe that ADP does hold true. If for some reason he was going outside the top 24, he's the clear and obvious choice. Um, Jake touched on it. Uh, I, I definitely agree with him, but I went a little bit deeper and I talked about a guy. Uh, we talked about him earlier, obviously we touched on every freaking name. I don't even know why I wasted my breath saying that, uh, RB 37 dude, end of the eighth round. I think Trey sermon has, yeah. you could argue the most upside of any running back, um, in that range. And, and we're talking just outside the top 24, I'll go outside the top 35 and take Trey sermon. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I do like over him. There's guys that I think are much safer than he is. But I think if we're sitting here at the end of the season, yeah, there's a couple names that are very similar to that.
But I think if you're, ta- you're talking about a great offense that we've seen produce high tons of running back volume, the problem is it's just been spread across all of these running backs. And with Jeff Wilson going down, that opens the door, I think, to just for it to be a two-headed backfield. And you're talking about Raheem Mostert being his only competition. And while he's good when he's on the field, he's just not been healthy. I think Sermon's going to get some chances this year. And if he gets 12 games as the, the running back in San Francisco, he can finish top 12 at the position. I think there's going to be a ton of production there for him. So I'll go with Trey Sermon. Right on, man. Love me some Trey Sermon. Love me some Daryl Henderson, too. I have a feeling that that's not going to be the last time we talk about him tonight. Uh, Let me give you a running back being selected outside the top 24 that I think can finish in the top 12. And this is a second place candidate for my my guy Uh, currently being selected as the RB 32. And I'm telling you, he can finish as the in in the top 12, man. Damian Harris, Damian Harris. I I mentioned before, I have him currently ranked as my RB 21 and not throwing out that I could rank him even higher as the uh, as the offseason goes along. Uh, but New England ran the ball on 51% of their offensive snaps last season. That was second to only Baltimore, who ran the ball like a ridiculous 55% or something. Uh, and given the fact that their wide receiver room still looks you know, subpar at best, uh, I think it's reasonable to once again expect the Patriots to keep the ball on the ground this year. Uh, for Damian Harris to sneak into RB1 territory without any receiving production because he doesn't have any. I think we spoke to that earlier. The guy is going to have to hit double-digit touchdowns this season, which honestly is totally in the cards, I think, for him this year. He's going to get every single goal-line carry, in my opinion. Sony Michelle is toast. He's a complete afterthought in fantasy football. Um, and, and I think the best way for me to make the case for Damian Harris to finish as an RB1, as a top-12 running back this year, is to just once again reference Josh Jacobs. Look at his game log from last season and then picture something extremely similar for Damian Harris this year. You know, solid enough rushing production, uh, but in that increase in touchdowns, that's all you need to get into that top 12. Uh, He doesn't need the receiving work a la Josh Jacobs. I think that's how Harris gets it done, man, in in 2021. I don't think he needs the receiving work. I think that as long as New England just pounds the rock and Damian Harris is their guy, I think he can find the end zone enough times to be a weekly fantasy start and maybe even maybe even top 12 good. You, uh, It's funny how much value where you have to get these guys will change uh, your perception of them. You know, we're talking a four-round difference, which is not – that's not a small thing, a four-round difference between a Josh Jacobs who his negative is he's not involved in the passing game. He has to score the touchdowns. Oh, my God. To Damian Harris, like, he's not involved in the passing game, but if he gets these touchdowns, which is not wrong at all, like, that's what you need. You need these guys – However they get them through the air on the ground, the touchdowns can make a huge difference. Uh, I like the call on Damian well, Harris. And, and here's the thing. I would have Damian Harris, or I would have Josh Jacobs in front of Damian Harris if Kenyon Drake went to New England. Like That's, that's, that's huge for me. I'm not saying Kenyon Drake's going to have this amazing big season, but yeah. just the fact that like Damian Harris has just zero competition. I mean, he's going to lose receiving work to James White that he wasn't going to even get otherwise, mm-hmm. but... Man, 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 man. And he has a, a huge opportunity ahead for Damian Harris. I think if it, it all comes together and it clicks for him this year, multiple 100-yard games, no receiving work, but uh, again, you can't bank on touchdowns, but it, his current ADP, you're not. there's no risk. Yeah, and if we can go like, if we can like Tokyo Drift slam that e-break and keep that ADP right in the seventh round, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to own a lot of Damian Harris. He just keeps creeping up, and that's the thing I'm afraid of. So if you're listening to this, not you know a week or two later and he's sitting there in around six 
that's you know that we're reaching the spot where I just there's so many better names. But when you're looking at the running backs around him in round seven, I think that he's got a, a decent a decent amount of upside there, and I like that uh, that play. So that's that's an interesting name. I will be uh, I'll be keeping an eye on him, I guess, and see because I mentioned I might take Carter over him. They're both going in round seven right now, but it doesn't mean that both those guys might not screwed up a few spots in my rankings as I go through this, but. Uh, I like the call, and again, I like the conviction. I, I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Now, we've mentioned before that when we do shows like this, or actually any show, I mean, you and I don't like rehearse anything, or we don't know each other's rankings or the answers that we're going to give. No. But on this next question, you know, I want to know your favorite target rounds nine through twelve at the running back position. I'm pretty confident you're going to give me the same answer that I wrote down. But why don't you <laughs> go ahead and wow me here? I actually don't think I. I I actually don't think we're going ah. to have the same answer because you mentioned earlier that you don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> then but, that, that would be shocking. But yeah, I guess, let's do it again. Uh, it, it was the parameters we put in here was around nine through 12. This guy is barely, uh, he, he's going at the beginning of the ninth round and depending. And if you ever looked at fantasy pros ADP, it's sometimes it can get funky because the, the, uh, the, the by position ranking sometimes doesn't really make sense to the overall ranking just because of where these players are going amongst others. Uh, in the overall numbers, but a guy that I'm going to target if he keeps falling because he has been falling is James Conner. Uh, I don't think that he has that huge upside. Uh, and if Trey Sermon was a few picks later, he would be my answer here once again. But I think you're talking about a team that showed last year they committed the one guy uh, as far as at the goal line. If I'm talking about a round nine round, uh, not round nine pick on a guy that could fall into 10 rushing touchdowns. I don't mind that, you know, and Connor has shown that he's not just a one trick pony. He can be involved in a receiving game as well um, if needed. So as much as I do like Chase Edmonds and where he's going right now is uh, what I want to double check this. Uh, crap. I lost him. Chase Edmonds was around seven. I, I, I'm good with that uh, around six. So I, I'm fine with either Arizona Cardinals running back, but round nine, James Connor, the three round, almost a three round difference. Uh, I'm just, I've been targeting him a lot and just seeing if I scratched off the right lotto ticket in Arizona. I knew, I knew as soon as I, you said that earlier in the 32s, I'm like, Oh shit, he's gonna, he's not going to like that. Yeah. That's hilarious that I set that up with the dramatic, like, Oh, I got, I bet we got the same player here. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not as in on James Conner, but you can definitely make the case for it. I mean, his case isn't much better than Chase Edmonds. The only thing you can say about Chase Edmonds is that he already has whatever rapport he's been around the team already we've Mm -hmm. seen him have big games in a a cardinals jersey before and the last thing we saw from james connor was like fragile pittsburgh james connor so maybe just recency bias leaning me towards chase edmonds there but i'm not gonna it's not super exciting by any means but i i think he's good enough like i don't think he's completely just washed trash that like you know if uh that um you know, he has to fall into the end zone. Like, I think he could be productive enough, but, you know, for fans purposes, I hope it is Chase Edmonds. He's way more exciting, but uh, I think Connor could just could see the goal line work. They, some of the reports, just keep an eye on that as we're going. Cause I've heard, I've read here and there that that's what it's looking like. And, and that would be a little bit scary for Chase Edmonds owners and ninth round value would be solid then for Connor. So James Connor is going RB 38, correct? Uh, yes, that's where I got him. You know what I would rather do? I'm going to wait that out. I'm not going to take James Conner because I'm going to wait a couple more picks and I'm going to take me some Gus Edwards. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) man, I was surprised this wasn't your guy. Edwards currently being selected as the RB 42, just around that ninth, I think 10th round area. Uh, 
you know, I love me some J.K. Dobbins. I think I had him as my RB3 in that 2020 rookie class. But given each of those two Baltimore running backs current ADP, Dobbins going 85 picks earlier, it kind of makes all the sense in the world to pass on Dobbins and just take Edwards rounds later. Uh, and it, it, you know, I'm sure we've mentioned on this show, but Edwards, dude, he's a damn good running back. <laughs> PFF graded Gus Edwards as the fourth best rusher of 2020. He's been a high yards per carry guy his entire career, over five yards per carry for three years straight. And Baltimore, I think I referenced this one before too, Baltimore ran the ball on 55% of their offensive snaps last year. So there's plenty of run volume in this backfield for both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to be weekly fantasy assets. Like, it can happen. It, an injury doesn't have to happen to one of these two guys, like the uh, the Tampa Bay situation that we talked about before or the Arizona situation that we just talked about. I think that both of these guys can stay healthy, and given how much the Baltimore is going to run the ball, they can both be really damn good. And maybe it will ultimately come down to who ends up getting the red zone work between those two. Obviously, Dobbins is the guy to to own out of these out of the two running backs. But uh, if we're factoring in ADP, and you can get Gus Edwards in the tenth round, man, woo! I want that all day for the uh, the top rushing team in the league. All right. So did you just miss Edward's name or something? I, I didn't, I didn't miss it. So when I was going through and put in looking at him, you know, I, I try, I usually challenge myself more than anything. Like when I, there's a guy that I really like, it's just like to make sure I'm not, you know, over fat. I'm not, I'm not giving too much weight to something that isn't really going to produce me fantasy points. And when I looked at Gus Edwards, I'm like, man, three straight years of 130 carries his point his yards per carry is just crazy. Right. Last year, over 700 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns for a guy that again is involved with JK Dobbins already there. Lamar Jackson, obviously taking a lot of production as well. Um, but it came down to really two things. Even last year with all, with those fine numbers for an RB two on his own team with really the RB three, um, which is fine because they run the ball so damn much. He only had four double digit point games and half PPR. And the thing he only had nine, <laughs> he only had nine catches. Like the the they just don't throw the ball to the running back. They won't throw the ball to the running back. And for me, that's just a little bit concerning. Like if if he was a guy that just could add a, a couple catches, then uh, you know, 140 attempts over the course of the season is more is enough. But it's just uh I still like him in round 10. But I'm just a little bit concerned that that upside is just a little bit capped. Like I would feel better about, even though it's around earlier, I'd feel better about, hey, let's take the shot on Connor because he could be the guy at, at the red zone versus Edwards has to fight through two guys um, if everybody stays healthy. Um, but uh, I, I still like the round 10 value. I'm going to own him on a bunch of squads. He's just uh, not my favorite, I guess, of this uh, parameter we put in. <laughs> All right, Kyle, we're going strong here. We're at an hour already. I don't even care. Give me a favorite late round target. We're talking round 13 and beyond for the running back position. I had to scratch and claw for an answer here, and it, I still don't like my answer. What do you got? Uh, the easy one, again, if I want to take the easy way out, because I, but I think he might bump up a little bit, but he's going mid-13th mid, uh, mid round, uh, 50th off the board of the position, Philip Lindsay. I, I, I think he is just as talented as, uh, as David Johnson at this point of his career, we've seen him put up solid production uh, as much as like people kind of think of him as a pass catcher. He's not a huge pass catcher. And the fact that that is a strength of David Johnson's game is a little bit tough then to overcome because it's a team that's going to be playing from behind a ton. But I went even deeper than that. The guy that I'm going to end up probably on the back end of all my rosters and just see how this thing plays out. And we got the preseason ahead of us. We have more reports coming out, but uh, I'm going to Atlanta and I'm just going to, 
throw the dart. Maybe I'm blindfolded, but I'll throw the dart on Javion Hawkins. Uh, I, I think that this is an offense that, again, the game strip is going to be negative. Yes, Mike Davis can catch balls, but what is this team doing? Why, what are you going to? What do you need to evaluate of Mike Davis? They're going to the Falcons will be out of it by week three. Uh, why not give this kid a shot and see if he can end up being your RB two going forward? So um, this is a team where the, there was a plenty of rush of uh, rushing production. But this year, I think even they're going to have to throw the ball even more. <laughs> and Hawkins could, you know, factor in to be a playmaker, right? As opposed to just the plotters they've had there, um, I guess, over the last season, really. But and what they have in Mike Davis, you know. So I think Hawkins could overcome that. And uh, he's a guy that is borderline undrafted right now. So I'll go with Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins is an interesting one. And in a backfield where, the, like you said, Mike Davis being the alpha running back, like not very hard to overcome that obstacle. Uh, interesting though, like the two different body types, like Javian Hawkins is like 180 pounds or something like the dude is tiny, but I think at Louisville, he ran for like 1500 to 1600 yards. I mean, the guy can play, uh, like if, if anyone else went to Atlanta behind Davis, like I'd feel much better about them. And like Hawkins is, was he a six round pick or was he undrafted? He was undrafted, right? Undrafted. The dude, uh, he doesn't carry a lot. That's why he's going so late. But like, I don't know if you even like uh freaking uh, who's somebody on this list like I don't Jam- Jamal Williams like if he was in Atlanta I'd like him a hell of a lot more than JVN Hawkins and I'd like him more than where he is in Detroit just because I think there's a clearer path to playing time there Hawkins is just the guy that's been standing he's been standing out in reports so for right now if he's gonna go borderline undrafted I'll take that shot and he can be my first cut after week two or whatever you mentioned Tariq Cohen's gonna miss some time just how much exactly uh, they said he was a few weeks away from doing anything. So we'll we'll see if that bleeds into the season or not. This is the same organization that said that about Dave Montgomery last year. Montgomery didn't miss any time, started the season, had a fantastic year. Um, but as of right now, he's a little bit banged up, still in the pup as of early August. So that's the reports as of now. But uh, you guys can do the old Twitterverse search uh, for a little bit more updates. But I, that's what I've been hearing. Well, here's what we're going to do, folks. Assuming full health. I like Tariq Cohen, uh, who's going as RB54, round 13 plus. I will not sit here and pound the table for Tariq Cohen, but I feel like, again, if he's healthy, the dude deserves to be drafted. Uh, Just three games played last season before he got placed on injured reserve. The two seasons prior, he's a guy who was seeing right around 100 targets and 70 plus receptions per season. Uh, You don't have a whole ton of receiving upside with Tariq Cohen. I mean, that's going to be all David Montgomery in Chicago, but I think the case can be made, especially in PPR to uh, at least roster Tariq Cohen again, if healthy and maybe see what kind of work he gets with Andy Dalton slash Justin Fields under center. See what kind of, uh, what kind of tendency either one of those guys might end up having. There's a lack of receiver talent in Chicago. I think that that's been kind of obvious once you get past Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney is going to have some nice games. He's had some nice games, but the next guy up after that's been what Anthony Miller, who is now a Houston Texan. Mm. So, you know, I think that with Anthony Miller going to Houston, that opens up a little bit of uh, a little bit of the passing game, some passing potential receiving potential for uh, Tariq Cohen, maybe to get a larger role in the passing game. But again, just sort of throwing shit at the wall. Cause I didn't even <laughs> know Tariq Cohen was hurt before today. He, he is on the pup list and I'm pretty sure I'll just clarify this. So no one attacks Jake on Twitter at Jake takes FF. Uh, he said there was not a lot of uh, production in the passing game available for Cohen. I'm sure he meant the rushing game because he's talking about. I did. Uh, <laughs> wow, that is so nice for you. Just After all these months, you, you would get, you would have my back. You know, I've, I've gone back and listened to many episodes of the SmackDown. 
where I'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers and I'd be like, he's probably like a top 10 RB this year. And then I just keep going and be like, damn it, Kyle, why didn't you say anything? Sometimes you just got to let that go. The people know our listeners are smart. They, yeah. they, they can figure it out. But uh, yeah, if, if Cohen's hell, if Cohen is back off the pup before the season starts and he, he's forgotten, you know, he's right now going at in the 15th round. I mean, you take your shot on that and just see how it works out. Yes. Damian Williams is there now. So they're a little bit more prepared than they have been in previous seasons, but I don't mind taking the shot on Cohen. You're going to know quick, you know, if he's, if he's ready, if he's ready to go. Um, yeah. The receiving weapons are definitely lacking. Cole Komet's getting a little bit of hype right now. Who cares? They don't have, they don't really have a wide receiver too. That scares me. And even if Moody can't step into that role, I think you're looking at, you know, 70 plus targets for Tariq Cohen easily as a floor, but uh, yeah, tons of receptions available on that, on that, uh, on that team. If he's ready week one. All right, let's put a bow on this thing, man. Give me your flag player. You're my guy. The guy that's going to be wearing the Kyle August month eight stamp all year long. Uh, I mean, it's forever and always Ezekiel Elliott, but um, the guy that I'm super excited, I'm super excited to get, especially his current price. But I think, People are, and this is, I mean, people do this all the time. You could, There's a couple of names you could apply this to, but I got burned last year. So F that dude, I'm not having him on my squad. Uh, and that, I play into that all the time. You know, I'm going to, you know, and we'll see where Joe Mixon ends up and everything. And he, he's a guy that people are going to do that with. And actually he's going in the mid second. I'm going to take the guy that's going right behind him in ADP as my guy. I'm going with Clyde edwards helaire I think this is a dude that has extreme upside in that offense. Uh, you know, we saw some ups and downs from him last year. I think he gets it all put together. Um, and he is my RB 12 right now. Um, I've been debating whether to bump him up even a couple more spots. I think this guy's got uh really nice upside in 2021 and the value is freaking unbelievable. But regardless, even if he creeps up into the mid second, this is a guy that I'm still going to target. I'm still going to take. And I think he can put up a top 10 season. I like it, man. I like it. I referenced before, uh, who my flag player might just be or who we might talk about. And it's going to be Daryl Henderson. He's going right now at RB25. Again, a little bit of a wonky ADP for where I expect him to be a couple weeks from now. But especially at that ADP and even a little bit beyond that, I'm willing to reach a little bit for Daryl Henderson. Um, Sean McVay saying that there's no chance of Henderson seeing the field during preseason is telling to me uh, in terms of what their intentions are with Daryl Henderson this season. He's going to be the guy for the Rams without uh, without Cam Akers. Um Henderson, he stands to see massive volume in an offense that just might be one of the most high-scoring high offenses in the league uh, with Matthew Stafford under center as opposed to Jared Goff. Jared Goff in this offense was throwing for 4,500 yards, man. I'm telling you, like I will, I'll be the least surprised person in the room when Stafford goes out there and has a 5,000-yard season. But um, this entire offense is going to be buzzing, and I think it's going to be great for Daryl Henderson. He had 114 rushing yards and a touchdown in his, in his lone game with 20 carries last season. Um, I don't think that Henderson is any sort of superior running back talent, man, but the situation is undeniable, and he is just he's a, he's ridiculously priced right now. Uh, he's going, again, at this RB25 ADP. That's the end of the fifth round. I'll take him at the early fifth, end of the fourth. N- no problem with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think... If I was trying, if I had to judge it right now, I bet you he probably en- ends up still behind Carson, who's going at the late third. So I think he's probably going to end. I I think he'll end up earlier than that in some drafts for sure, because people are going to see that upside that you see. Um, I'd have no problem taking him around three. But if you're sitting there, end of you know, if he's w- right with Carson, who's going at three ten, 
if you're sit if you're he's sitting there on the board, I don't think you can, you know, it, it's funny if he actually is paired with Carson. Like when I think of Chris Carson, I'm like, this dude is going to finish top 15 and he won't finish, you know, inside of like the top 10. Like, I don't think that that's on the table for him, but he's, I feel real safe about that. Henderson. I think that the, uh, you know, where he could end up is much of a wider. Uh, he could, he could finish outside the top 24 and I wouldn't be surprised to be honest. I know this offense is great, but he's had his opportunities and hadn't really stepped up at, at some times, but now he is the guy they're going to have to lean on him. They don't really think they have a choice. Uh, he could be a top five running back. I mean, that's legitimately his upside. So um, like for me, honestly, like now that I'm talking myself through this and this is, that's why this stuff varies from time to time, it ebbs and flows. Like if I'm staring down both names, I'm taking Henderson because I want to play to, I'm playing to win, right? Like the Carson is not a bad pick. Don't get me wrong, but the upside of Henderson is unbelievable. So yeah, I have him at 21 in my rankings right now. And as I'm thinking about this, he's definitely moving up uh, inside that top 20 and, and a guy that I'd be excited to take the stab on. And, you know, that's just, this is game is what it is, man. We're all taking our best estimate here. And, uh, you know, I think you got to shoot for upside. So I I'd be, I'd be stabbing that pick uh, in round three every time. Yeah, you're right. I talked about reaching for him at the end of the fourth. That ain't freaking happening. I'm looking at the, <laughs> the, the ADP. Kareem Hunt's going 501. Yeah, asking 407. That Carson at that 310 spot. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I'm taking Henderson before Carson. I feel like yeah, I feel like you got to. Um, even even some you know Jacobs going before him. I I, I guess I've been very clear to show how I feel about Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. All these players to me are in the same tier with Daryl Henderson, who's mm-hmm. going significantly later right now. So. Yeah, I guess I, I'll kind of backpedal on what I said, and I'd be willing to – I mean, I, I'll still reach for Daryl Henderson, depending on how these running backs are falling off the board. Uh, if, the, if the time's right, then then I'm not scared. As far as I'm concerned, he's the workhorse in that in that uh, offense, and like I said, that was worth RB9 when it was Cam Akers, so it's got to be worth something when it's Daryl Henderson. This yeah. has been a fun episode, man. We're about an hour and 15, an hour 12 into uh, some fantastic running back discussion. Uh, you want to drive us out of here? Yeah, man. And this was a ton of fun. This was great. And this, and just talking through it, like that's why I love doing this show, just jumping right into it with you. You, you get the wheels moving. I'm definitely, I have a few notes. I'm going to be adjusting some ranks here and there for as my drafts get closer and closer. You know, keep, some of these guys, just keep an eye on the camp reports. This, we're getting some good information right now. Um, you know, don't want to overreact, go crazy. Like today was a negative Jamar Chase mention out there. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, Let that lie, right? But, uh, you know, just if you're hearing it enough times where there's smoke, there's fire. We're going to see some preseason action here soon, too, which is awesome. So um, we'll be back on Wednesday, as Jake mentioned at the top of the show, live Q&A with Jake, myself, some more guys from the Warzone. We're going to bring them on. So uh, follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month 8. I will drop a tweet on Tuesday looking for some questions. But if you can, man, meet, uh, meet up with us live on YouTube. I'll, we'll drop the link on social media. It'll be on the Dynasty Warzone uh, YouTube page, of course. So come hang out. 9 p.m. Eastern time this upcoming Wednesday. So August 11th, 9 p.m. Come and hang out with Jake and myself. Bring your questions. Try to trick us. Uh, we'll try to give you good advice, and uh, it'll it'll be fun. So we'll be back here next week. Again, rate, review the show. You guys take it easy. We'll see you in just a couple days. 